You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Acts chapter 8, and we'll start at verse 26. So if you could take your Bibles or open your Bible apps. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We're continuing in our our series called Witness, and out of respect for God's inspired word to us this morning, I would like to invite you to stand if you're able, and I'll read. So now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked him? How can I, he said unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself? or someone else. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared to Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. The word of the Lord to us today. Now that's the kind of person you want reading scripture. Sharon, such a good job. Some, uh, well, I mean, I think we've all been there before when we've heard scripture read more like this. On that day, a great persecution broke out against us. Some energy, some storytelling. That was fantastic, Sharon. Thank you so much. Um, Guys, this is our family service. Love having our family service. There's always just a slight bit more energy going on in the room, which is fantastic. Um, And so I want to welcome all of those who would normally be in kids' church or our our students' um, uh, high school class. Uh, glad to have you guys with us this morning. What we normally do in here is we, it's just a little more interactive. I'm going to be asking questions, and they're not rhetorical. They're not questions that I just want you to think about in your heart. They're actually questions I want you to respond with. I won't leave it just to those under uh, 19 to answer. I'll leave it for everybody in the room uh, is, is able to answer the questions that uh, I'll post to you as we go through this story a little bit this morning. And uh, so we've been going through the book of Acts, and I know in kids' church you guys have been looking at some stories in the book of Acts as well. Now, we always call, and maybe it's because we're lazy, we usually call this book Acts. It's really exciting. Do do we have that? What happened to everything behind me? (laughs) Do we have the PowerPoint there? There we go, Acts. 
Isn't that exciting? Is that just because we're lazy? That's not the full name of the book. So does anyone know what the full name of the book is? The Acts of the Apostles, right? Which is much better. It's got a little bit more, uh, little more, more feel to it. And the word acts actually is short for actions, the action. You get this sense when you think of the actual name, the actual name of the book. Just do that now. Um, you can tell, can't you, that I didn't write that out? Um, that there's, it's supposed to be a sort of action that's going on. And who are the apostles? Can anyone tell me who the apostles? Put that away. Put that away. There's answers there. Put it out there. No, no, go back. Go back. Go back. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll direct you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who knows where this guy's going to go? Who can tell me what an apostle was? Oh. No one's, no one's ready to just yell it out, eh? Friends of Jesus. That's a good answer. What's your name, son? Oh, son. Okay. Yeah, apostles were friends of Jesus. Not just people who came to follow Jesus, but people who actually knew Jesus. People who talked with Jesus, people who witnessed Jesus, his life, his ministry, the miraculous things he did, also witnessed his death, and then his resurrection. So these, guys, these apostles are pumped and ready and primed to go and tell the world this fantastic story. So you might think, well, maybe we can give a bit more of a title. So just hold on to that for a section, a second. Because Jesus then, before he left to be to go with his father in heaven, he said to his apostles, to his closest friends, he said this in Acts 1, 8 to 9. Do we have that there? He said, what you'll get, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses. So you're not just individual superheroes. You're empowered by the Spirit of God to be witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. These were the last words that Jesus said as they watched. He was taken up and he disappeared into a cloud. So maybe, as you saw there already, we, this might be a more accurate title to the book of Acts. Do you have that other one there? The other one? That one. This might be an accurate title to the book of Acts. The action of the friends of Jesus when they went and did what their good friend Jesus told them to do until he came back. That's long, so we're just going to call it Acts. Okay? But every time you see the word Acts, I want you to think of action. And I want you to think the action of Jesus' friends. And that's what the story of Acts is all about. It's the church excited by the truth of the resurrection and given strength by God's Spirit uh, announced Jesus' reign from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. When? Until he comes back. So there's all sorts of different characters in the book of Acts who believe this to be true and believe it's important that they go and tell other people about Jesus until when? Until he returns. So who are some other people that we read about in the book of Acts? Throw them out there, people. I know you know them. Paul. A, ma a massive chunk of Acts is about Paul. Who else? Peter. Yeah. Stephen, we, read, we, we learned about last week. That's right, Andrew. Um, Silas, Philip. Oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> well done. Yes, that's good. You get a star, Mark, for paying attention this morning. That's good. Philip was one of these early followers of Jesus. And Philip was hanging out in Jerusalem. Now, I've got some pictures that go along with it. 
And I think, you know, these probably aren't totally accurate, but it keeps us engaged a little bit. All ages get excited by pictures like this. It was this or flannel graph, and I still need to talk to Brad McMahon about that because I think you can hook me up, right? All right, buddy, we'll talk about it for next time. We'll just gather everybody up front. That'll be fantastic. So Philip has an angel show up, and he says, hey, I want you to go to a road. Which road? Does it have a big, is it Main Street? No, 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 no. Is it Madison Avenue? No, 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 no. It's a deserted road. Now, you got to think, Philip, if you go to the next slide, Philip was actually hanging out in Jerusalem, and a lot of great stuff was happening in Jerusalem. That was the center of action. The, we learned a few weeks ago, the, the apostles were filled with the Spirit. They were speaking different, different languages, all their, their choruses and their, oh, praise his name. They all started singing them in Spanish. It was pretty fantastic. And they, all these great things were happening. And the angel says, hey, I want you to go to this deserted road. And, you'll, and that's all he says. He doesn't even say, this is why. He just says, I want you to go there. Now, many of us, young or old, have often felt like God has asked us to do something, and he hasn't actually told us why he's told us to do it. And if Philip gets caught up, we'll see. If Philip just got caught up going, well, why? Give me a good reason to go. He would have missed being a part of what God wanted to do. Often we think of obedience. Now, now all the kids just cringe. Oh, obedience, obey, okay. Well, often we think of obedience as a way we get the gold star or we get checked off or, or we make our parents happy. That's not what obedience is about. When we obey, we get to get in on what God's doing, what he wants to do in our lives and what he wants to do in our community and what he wants to do in the world. So the next time you think of obedience and being obedient to God, don't think of it as, oh, i got to obey these rules. we got to think of it as, oh, if I live in the way God's called me, I'm going to get to get in on the things that he's doing in my life and elsewhere. So he was a man, he was sent to a faraway country, and he goes and he meets this guy on the road. Do we have it? Okay, he's left Jerusalem. I, I must have put them up in the wrong order. He goes to a deserted road, and he comes across a man who is sitting in a chariot. Let's hold it there for a second. In case you don't know what a chariot is, a man is, or a guy walking down the road looks like, there it is. The Bible calls this man a eunuch. A eunuch, two things you need to know about eunuchs. One is they're not going to get married and they're going to devote their whole life, this guy, his whole life to serving the queen of what country? Ethiopia. That is this guy's whole life. His whole identity is serving the queen of Ethiopia. And he's come from Ethiopia in eastern Africa all the way up to Jerusalem to worship God. There's a guy who's obedient. There's a guy who travels. Now, I've got a map here in case you're, oh, wow, that is not clear. My bad. You see Ethiopia way down there? See Jerusalem way up there? That is a four-hour drive in a car. Can you imagine how long that would take in a chariot? This guy takes his chariot all the way up to Ethiopia to worship for a while and then heads back down. That would, that's, it's 4,000 kilometers. It would take a bit of time in your average chariot. So why does he go to Jerusalem? It tells us. Why would he go there? To worship, right? To worship. Now, because he was from a foreign land, he would have gone all the way to the temple in Jerusalem and not been allowed to go inside. He would have had to stand out on the outside. He would have had to try to listen in to what was going on inside. So even though he, he traveled a long distance, even though he wanted to worship the, the, the God of all creation, he would have been said, no, you have to stand on the outside and you can glean from there. So he knew a lot about God, but only from a distance. He didn't know about Jesus. He was spiritual 
but he didn't know the truth about who Jesus was. Any of you ever met any people who maybe have a vague idea of God but don't understand what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? I think almost all of us probably know are people who are, who are spiritual. Philip finds him. What's he doing in the chariot? He's reading. Now, who here under 20 loves to read? Well, actually, how many over 20 like to read? Yeah, fantastic. How many books do you have in your house, Sharon, if you had to ballpark it? Could you ballpark it? 200? Okay. Anyone, can anyone outdo 200? That's, yeah, Kindle counts. No, it's still not 200. Okay. <laughs> you had us, and then you, I thought that was going to go somewhere, but no. Okay. Um, this guy probably owned that scroll that he was reading. You had to be very, very wealthy to have a book 2,000 years ago in the Near East. This man has probably one book to his name. The only reason he probably has it is because he is the, uh, the treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia. If, if I have, or I have a lot of books on my shelf that I have not read, lots of them. Stop nodding your head, son. I've got a lot of books. There's no possible way in this day someone would have a book and not read it. So he is pouring over this book. And it's a book written by the prophet Isaiah 600 years earlier talking about Jesus specifically. That's what he finds him. He's reading this book. And he's reading. He's having a hard time with it. Do we have, yeah, look, look at that confused look. Even Philip looks a little frightened, doesn't he? Oh, man. We're going to deal with Isaiah. Now, one of the things that makes it difficult for this, this eunuch to be reading Isaiah is not just that it's 700 years old, not just that it's um, probably coming possibly out of a different language. He's probably had to learn Hebrew as well to, to, to read this scroll. But the other thing, and many of you will identify with this, it's poetry. Ugh. There's some people I love who live in my own house who don't enjoy poetry. How many people here like poetry? Okay. Who's your favorite poet? No? Okay, you enjoy poetry. When I, when I was growing up, uh, I enjoyed the Roses Are Red, Violets Are Blue version of poetry because you could kind of make your own, your own endings. Does anyone have any good Roses Are Red, Violets Are Blue ones? No? You're all afraid to share them? Okay. I remember those ones in high school too. Okay. Here's some of my favorite. Vi ro roses Are Red, Violets Are Blue, I'm Allergic to Flowers. Achoo! It's not bad. Uh, my son's favorite, roses are red, cellos are brown, never going to give you up, never going to let you down. You just got rolled. My wife might say, roses are red, violets are blue, but I'd never known because I get none from you. And my personal favorite is, roses are gray, violets are gray, you're gray, I'm a dog. I thought that's pretty good. Okay, but not all poems are that easy. And any of us who tried to read Milton or try to read maybe uh, Tennyson or Dunn, and some of us are, have, would have a hard time spelling those names. But if any of us have read those, we realize that some poetry can be very, very difficult. For instance, here's some poetry. It's not quite read. Thus, conscience does make cowards of us all, and thus the native hue of resolution is sickled o'er with the pale cast of thought and enterprises of great pith. And moment, with this regard, their currents turn away and lose the name of action. Oh, Ari, uh, not Ari. See, I even heard, got the word wrong. Ari, and lose the name of action. Soft you now. I mean, it's just, just going to sit with you, isn't it, for a while? 
You're all going to leave, and you're going to go, I don't get any of that. Does anyone know who wrote that or where it's from? Shakespeare from Hamlet. Now, it might be helpful uh, to know the circumstance. It might be helpful to know who's saying it. It might be helpful to know what country that's person from. So imagine you are this Ethiopian eunuch. You're reading this scroll. You're reading this, this poetry. What do you need? You need someone to step in and help you. Anytime I've studied Shakespeare, anytime I've, I've had to go through poetry, it's always helpful to have someone by your side or to go on Google and say, Google, help me with this poem and get a little bit of information. He's reading this poem about uh, a lamb. So go to the next slide. This is what he's reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. This is a seven-year-old, 700-year-old poem by the time he's reading it. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice, and who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. This ancient poem about a lamb who was innocent of anything wrong, who was treated badly and was, was going to be killed. It doesn't sound like a very nice poem. It would be helpful for someone to feed into his life. And even though Philip's eyes were bulging and he looked pretty scared, I think he came with some confidence because he came empowered by the Spirit. Now, here's a question for maybe, maybe for the, the adults. What kind of things do you think Philip would have told him to help him understand that poem? When, he, when it mentions a lamb, what maybe could Philip have said to him? Who the, who the lamb is, who the sheep is. Would that give a lot, would it immediately uh, attaching Jesus as being represented by a lamb, would that bring some more light to the situation? Possibly if this, if this uh, man had been in Jerusalem for a couple weeks, he's probably heard the story. goes, wait a minute, that, that guy that I've been hearing about that they said was just a revolutionary, you're saying there was a lot more to him than just that? He was a lamb of God? He might point out some other scripture, some other famous statements of his day. One said by a guy named John the Baptist in John chapter 1, 29, says this, John the Baptist looked at Jesus one day and he said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Maybe Philip might have pointed out that, would have reminded him of that. He might have explained that Jesus had died without any anger, without doing anything wrong. Just like lambs were, were taken to be sacrificed in, in ancient times that were, they were representing a payment for our sin to show us both how much uh, sin damaged our relationship with God, but also how much God was willing to find something to represent us and, and offer us forgiveness. Those are very important things that he would have told him. But also, unlike any other lamb, he would have said, well, that's where the metaphor stops. Because this lamb came back to life. This lamb rose from the dead. This lamb represents not just Israel, but all of creation who is in need of forgiveness. And that this lamb offers new life to everyone. Even to a foreign treasurer of the queen of Ethiopia who may not be welcome into the temple, but God's heart is for you and Jesus welcomes you in. I don't care what age you are, what school you go to, there are people who need to hear that regardless of where you come from, regardless if you think your whole life is set in one direction, there is a, a, a humble lamb of God that welcomes you in to relationship with him. But you know, he, he would have also pointed to the resurrection, but also past the resurrection. 
And I know this would not have been written yet, but this, this idea would have been in Philip's head as well. Revelation 7, 17. The lamb is now, who is who's gone up to be with his father in heaven, he's at the center of the throne, and he will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That is a beautiful story that everybody needs to hear, that Philip must have had great joy in sharing with this Ethiopian eunuch who has said, your life is settled for you. Your identity is settled for you. You will always live on the outside. You will never be welcomed in. Philip must have had great joy. Now, the eunuch might have said, well, why would, why would God do this? This isn't the kind of gods I'm familiar with. These aren't even the gods that surround Jerusalem. They're definitely the, not like the gods we have down in Ethiopia. And Philip would have had the joy of saying, oh, this God is like no other God. For God so loves the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So, Mr. Treasury, sir, Mr. Eunuch, who thinks you have your whole life planned out for you already, do you want to be a part of this beautiful story? I know you serve this queen. I know you, that she kind of rules over you, but I want to tell you about a lamb who reigns even above her. I know that your, your life has been dedicated to her forever, but Jesus, the Lamb of God, is above all that. Do you want in? And he wants in. <laughs> he wants in completely. This man was very excited. Show me one of those pictures of his excited face. Yeah, see how excited he is. Jumping ahead a bit, but he seemed to have an understanding of what baptism is. He seemed to understand. Maybe Philip explained it to him, but they come across water, and he says, I want my life to belong to Jesus, and I don't just want it to be something that happens in here. I want the whole world to know. I want to declare to, to you, Philip, anyone else I'm going to come across on my 4,000-kilometer journey back to Ethiopia. When I get to the queen, I want everyone to know that I'm going to be identified with this new Jesus. So let's get baptized. I want to symbolically wash off everything that would keep me from following him. And also on the way of baptism, it's also almost like a, a play being played out, a drama being played out. He goes under. Notice this is a very good uh, a Baptist uh, picture. He actually went under the water. He didn't get drizzled. He fully went down under the water. And for those of you who understand baptism, it's the idea of dying to ourself and coming up to new life. He says, I want to be cleansed. I want the new identity that's connected to this, this humble lamb who's willing to give up his life for me. I want to belong to this new community that you're talking about. Philip, so please baptize me. Man, I wish the church today had this kind of hunger to be baptized, to say, hey, I get the story. I understand the story. I'm in. Let me declare that story to the seen and unseen world that I am clean. I've died to myself, and I live for him until he returns. It's not often happens sometimes. It's not often that people approach a pastor and say, I need to get baptized. Isn't that interesting? Notice, Philip doesn't even have to say it to him. You should really get baptized. He hears the story and he goes, I want nothing more than to jump in that water and declare that I belong to this lamb. He went home to Ethiopia, probably told the queen what happened. Probably still worked for the queen, but did it in a whole new way. Light with a living obedience to Jesus, just as Philip had to the Spirit of God when he told him to go to the desert road, the Lamb of God who takes away every sin. And that's the invitation. That's the invitation of Jesus 
the Lamb, to live our lives remembering that, that above and more important than wherever you are, whether it's serving a queen or whether it's going to grade three, <laughs> whether it's whoever you are, whatever your occupation is, whether you're a student, whether you're an adult, whatever age you are, that our whole lives take, take place inside this beautiful display of God's love, this beautiful display of the Lamb of God who gave up his life to give us life to tell you that he sees you and he loves you. And guys, this is for kids, this is for teenagers, this is for senior citizens, because there's no better story you can find yourself in. And so the, the beauty of the book of Acts, the action-packed book, I'm trying to find exactly what I wrote, the action of the friends of Jesus when they went and did what their good friend Jesus told them to do until he came back, is that we're still in that story. Why? Because the last part hasn't happened yet. He hasn't come back yet. So we still have the same, the same invitation, the same call to obedience to get in on what God is doing. Whether it's in school, whether it's at our workplace, whether it's at Starbucks or in our own living room, the call is to be obedient to what Jesus has called us to do so that we can get in on the powerful work that he's doing until he comes. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for writing such a beautiful story and inviting us into it. Thank you for, Jesus, for your amazing display of humility. We've heard of many other gods, all false gods, but no story is as rich, no story has a God giving up everything to come down and show his love to us. No other story has at, at its center the self-sacrifice of its God. No other God has scars but you alone. And because of that, we can, we, we can find um, empathy from you. We can find a love so deep and identifying with the human condition. You walk through childhood. You walk through the teenage years, adulthood. You identify with, with us, and, and Scripture tells us you understand all the temptations we walk through as well. And as you are obedient to the Father, pushing the beautiful narrative of God's love for us forward, may we continue as the apostles, the friends that were close to you and witnessed your life, death, and resurrection, may we continue in that story until you return. What a, a joy and a privilege to be obedient to you in our lives. I pray that the beautiful uh, story of your resurrection and the filling of your spirit would animate us to tell our friends, to invite them to church, to invite them into the story that you have blessed us and brought us into. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.